You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Welcome to Webcology here on webmasterradio.fm. It's the 29th of March, 2018. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and not Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. We have Christine Schackinger in sitting in the co-host seat from uh, Sites Without Walls in Las Vegas. Christine, thank you so much for sitting in for Dave. Thank you for having me. Welcome here. Dave's uh, actually, Dave's not in Whistler. He's uh, at Disneyland or Disney Sea. Land. I'm in in uh, Tokyo, Japan. Um, experiencing, um, well, experiencing Disney culture in Tokyo. So <laughs> Dave's on vacation. He's gone for the next couple of weeks. Um, he may or may not be on the show next week. Uh, we're not sure. We don't. I don't know. No one ever tells me these things. <laughs> but we got a great show coming up today. There's been a. Uh, I mean, unless you've been like hanging out under a rock or not really paying attention. Uh, you might have uh, you might have missed this story about um, this little university like university bound website uh, Facebook. They uh, apparently got themselves in a whole mess of trouble by like, uh, well, allegedly manipulating the uh, Brexit and American elections, along with a whole host of smaller elections. We're going to be talking to technologist, academic writer, and strategic communication professor, professional Alisa. Wanless Burke in our uh, second segment. Until then, though, we have um, a few things, a couple of things happened in the search world this week. So we thought we'd talk about that before getting there. Um, Christine, what did you see this week in search that uh, that that perked your ears up? Well, I think uh, the most important thing is that the mobile first indexing rollout has started officially. That, uh, that uh, announcement happened on the uh, Google Webmaster Central blog on Monday. Uh, what? what, what was it everything you expected and more? <laughs> well, it's been a lot of buildup to it, so it's kind of anticlimactic. Um, and they have been rolling out on some sites already. So the made the best way you can tell is if the rollout has happened to you is if 
you look at your log files and you have an 80% mobile, 20% desktop crawl, then you've been moved to mobile first. So yeah, aren't they actually sending? Aren't they actually sending out like notices to webmasters uh, when when you get moved to the to the um, mobile first index? They are, but they don't have. Or as far as I don't, I know they haven't released a how a schedule of that. Like, do you get noticed immediately or mm-hmm. over a few weeks? So if you're curious, like today, this moment, you can go to your log files and take a look. Okay, so, so honestly, what's the difference? Is the mobile first index? Is the uh, the, the the desktop first index? I, I presume. Um, for webmasters, functionally, what's the difference here? I think the biggest thing is uh, if you do not have content on your mobile site, you cannot be found for it in a desktop search. Or, or so, a mobile search, you mean? No, a desktop search. If you don't have content on your mobile site, you won't be found for it on a desktop search? Correct. The content is going to, the whole site is going to be evaluated um, primarily on mobile factors. There are things mm-hmm. that are going to be mixed, like links and some other items, but uh, like page speed, but um, your mobile content is how is what's going to be indexed. So if you're someone who has an M dot, or if you're somebody that pared down your mobile content on your responsive version of your website, uh, you need to make sure that the content matches uh, the searches you need to be found for. Uh, okay. The one the one other big difference is on the desktop ranking system, uh, if a content is hidden through tabs or um, other methods on the page, it was devalued as unimportant. On mobile, that won't be the case. And well, then, yeah, because webmasters have to do that, really, just to make menus fit on the screen, right? Exactly, and content too. Like you can you can hide collapsed content on your uh, mobile site uh, when once you've gone mobile first. Wait till you've gone mobile first uh, to not have it devalued. And then I would say the um, uh, the other most important thing is if you have an M dot, is to really know how this works with M dots because it'll be very different for you. If you have a responsive site, your content's the same, uh, you're, you're not likely to have a big difference. Um, it does explain though why about a year or so ago, Google added to webmaster guidelines that everyone should have an HTML sitemap on their site. That mm-hmm. was like circa 1998 because with the new mobile first, navigations will be smaller and they'll be relying on things like an HTML sitemap on your site to make sure that they can crawl all the main categories of the, of the site. And I think it's really important to, uh, to, to, to remind webmasters um, that this is a kind of complicated rollout, although it should be rather simple. About 18 months ago, the uh, number of searches conducted over uh, mobile device or on a desktop, well, it, it exceeded 15, 50% on mobile devices. So more than half the searches got done on mobile. That was a watershed moment for Google. Like, they'd been planning for, for, for a mobile universe long before then, but April 2015, um, so I'm sorry, 24 months ago, Google freaked out because suddenly 50% or more searches are regularly being conducted over, over mobile devices. So not only have... Uh, the intent of the search changed, but in many ways, the query, the way queries were phrased or, or, or composed also changed. First of all, because it's you know, kind of tough typing with your thumbs. And <laughs> secondly, because of voice search, the, uh, the, 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 the voice feature that's on many mobile devices allowed people to verbally phrase their search rather than uh, composing it with their thumbs. Thus, um, and also, oh, also, because you you often turn your device on by saying, um, "Hey Google," so you're already addressing it in the first person. So you're gonna ask it a question. 
That's changed how uh, Google suggested that webmasters structure information. It, it does, but I would say one thing to be cautious of when we talk about mobile first and mobile mm. is that desktop searches declined around 2013, 2014. There hasn't mm -hmm. been a major decline in desktop since then. And your desktop demographics are quite different than your mobile first demographics. Like if Absolutely. someone only has a mobile device. So Google got a lot more searches like lemon meringue pie, right? The lemon meringue, the lemon part didn't really change. The meringue just got much bigger. So and Google's going where the bulk of the money is. But most B right. B2B searches, on the other hand, are still done by desktop. And actually, there's a lot of uh, markets and verticals where desktop is the dominant search function. And for instance, like I worked with major publishers, uh, their mobile searches went way up and mobile visits way up after work. But during work, their searches are primarily desktop. So you kind of have to really know where your user is coming from when you're looking at that. There was one other. We're gonna, we're, we can't stick on the subject much longer because there's a few more things we want to talk before we get to uh, Alyssa at the uh, quarter past the hour. But there was one other aspect of their announcement that um, I think some webmasters are going to find like uh, either puzzling or just outright frustrating. And that was the, uh, the aspect that dealt with accelerated mobile pages. Like Google was pushing apps so hard for the last year, right? And now they're telling webmasters, if you did amp, that's really cool. Great. Thank you so much. But we would honestly prefer to uh, rank the uh, mobile version of your, of your, of, of any given page rather than the amp version. Huh? Yeah. I'm What's not, I, I don't, to be honest, I can't really tell you because I, <laughs> I haven't seen anybody really talk about it in depth. That was just like a one-off. Yeah, there was like um, one line in their in their in their announcement on the on the Google Webmaster Central blog caused I think which caused every SEO to go WTF, man. Well, yeah, well, yeah, because now, like, if you're in, in news, like Google dropped AMP for a little while last year in news and then brought it back, but AMP really most people wouldn't even have done if it wasn't for the carousel listings because yeah. it's just another code set you have to maintain. And then at all the conferences last year, they told us your page speed would be determined by AMP, not your mobile site, if you have AMP. So until well, that I didn't make any sense. That made no sense at all because, you know, half, the, half those AMP pages were being hosted at Google anyway. Yeah, but they were saying your page speed would be, would be determined first by AMP. If you didn't have AMP, then mobile. If you didn't have AMP or mobile, then your desktop site. So I, I have to get clarity from uh, John or Gary on what that line meant because – there, I haven't seen anybody do a write-up on it yet on, on what the distinction there was. But, but, but again, I'm pretty sure because most of the webmaster community is still, still sitting there going, what is it, like Google Plus or something? Like, what happened? <laughs> um, you, you really meant it, didn't you? <laughs> That's why everyone's like, yay, self-driverless cars. I just figure one day you're going to be in your driverless car and they just make an announcement Google doesn't support them anymore. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> and then what? <laughs> and everyone's just getting stuck with their <laughs> I can absolutely see that. Exactly. Okay, we got um, we got anywhere between two and five minutes, depending on uh the on on how itchy the trigger finger at studio is. So um, let's see here. Uh, we're going to be talking a whole bunch of Facebook stuff, so let's not do any Facebook uh, stories. Here's one that I thought was a weird story. One of these. Why are we reporting this? But you know, so. According to, uh, to to John Mueller, who who obviously have, wouldn't wouldn't lie about these things, there's no reset button at Google if you get a penalty. 
So you get a penalty, you fix it, you do all the right things. There's nothing you can do to make Google suddenly go, oh, yeah, wow, you're amazing. We're going to rank you again. Um, have you ever, had you ever heard there might be such a thing? Well, I, I think it depends on if you're talking about manual actions or which are the actual penalties or devaluations. So mm -hmm. obviously in a manual action, there's some sort of reset button because you get a notice from them that you've been reconsidered and your site comes back. Um, and I don't know what the quote reset button is. He may just be very specific on the word choice, but uh, for websites with penalties, there has been a long held belief that when you've had enough of them, it is difficult to recover uh, your site because of that issue. Mm -hmm. And Matt said, uh, when Matt was, you know, head of uh, talking to us, uh, that not only did it matter if you had them and how many, but how long you waited to fix them. So that the longer they, they stayed, the harder mm. it would be to recover. And then there was the added bonus during Penguin, and I don't know if it still exists, but I believe it does. If you just moved to a new site and they could determine you were the same site, if it was based on something like links, they would pass the links to you and you would still have the issue. So um, I don't know specifically what John is referring to. I read the same thing. But it, it, it also could just be John being inspecific about what he's saying. Um, yeah. But I think it's what it is, is the algorithms go through and there's no reset button in the algorithms. I don't understand it if he's referring to manual actions because having lifted a lot of manual actions in my career, uh, the results are instant as soon as you get the message from them that it's been lifted. So Okay, we have time for just, just to touch on one more and then we're going to have to jump to break. Um, is there an algo update underway right now or, or haven't recently been underway or not? There's been uh, three reports of algo updates from the community. Uh, in the last month, there's one report from Google where they stated they did not penalize sites. Um, again, loose term use of the word. Uh, they did not devalue sites. All they did was uh, upvalue sites. So that's a change because usually when there's a big update, uh, it does both. Some sites go up, some sites go down. In this case, they're saying if you lost traffic, you didn't go down because of the algorithm. You just didn't go up because of the algorithm. And, well, and if you did go down, it's because somebody else went up, not necessarily right. because you were getting getting hammered. So they were saying, and people took only part of this quote, so you have to have the whole quote. There's nothing you can fix, meaning they didn't devalue something on your site. So there's nothing you can fix there. But you could improve content. They specifically said content. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. I, 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 didn't, I, I didn't like that statement. I, most people only reported the first part of the statement and not the, well, you can actually work on your website by, by creating better content. Yeah. So people were like, hey, there's nothing you can do about it. Google's just doing its thing. And that really hurt a lot of people's brains. I did, because they didn't say that. They just said, there's nothing you can do about it because we didn't devalue your site. But if you improve your quality of your content, you too might go up or be able to compete. So, Okay, on that, we're going to have to take a break here on Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. We have, coming up after... After this break, we have coming up um, a really interesting segment on Facebook. Um, Alyssa Wanless-Burke from uh, University, Ryerson University Social Media Lab and uh, from uh, uh, the SecDev Foundation is going to be joining us to talk all things Facebook. 
We're back after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology will be back after this short break. The Web Marketing Association is now accepting entries for the 2018 International Web Award Competition. Web Marketing Award winners receive an image plaque, certificate of achievement, higher visibility for your company, valuable feedback from our expert judges, and links to your site from the highly ranked Web Award site. Visit www.webaward.org to nominate your company, site, or organization. Deadline for entries is May 31st, 2018. Go to www.webaward.org and sign up today. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, so social the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your facebook contest and sweepstakes create a fun easy to win contest by writing a simple facebook post watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction track your traffic and generate email lists with ease so social is mobile friendly and complies with facebook terms of service let so social give your facebook page some flash today zoom over to zosocial.com a more refreshing kind of talk radio WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Everyone, welcome back to Web Culture here on Webmaster Radio.fm. It's the 29th of March, 2018, and uh, Dave's not here, man. Dave is in Tokyo enjoying Disneyland with uh, Mary and the family. But we have sitting in for Dave the uh, extraordinary Christine Shackinger. Christine, uh, welcome back, and thank you for being here. Thank you again for having me. I always love being on the show. And Christine and I are joined by um, Alicia Wanless Burke. She's, uh, who is a technologist, an academic, a writer, and a strategic communications professional based in Toronto, who, believe it or not, specializes in propaganda. Uh, Alisa publishes under the name La Generalista. She has delivered a TED Talk, uh, Stop Thinking Before Falling Down the Digital Rabbit Hole, undertakes research at Ryerson Social Media Lab. Um, she, she presents a... Uh, uh, a lecture, uh, Age of Disinformation and Participatory Propaganda, which she's delivered at Wilton Park, the Hadia Center, Oxford and Ryerson Universities, Whitehall, NATO's ARRC, the NATO-USS OCOM Joint Senior Psychological Operations Conference, the UK's Joint Information Activities Group. You know, somebody's listening in on this conversation at this point, right? Eh? Um, 
This, the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory and the Montreal Institute for Genocide and Human Rights Studies, among other places. Alicia also advises on red team information activities and strategic communications for military exercises. She is now Director of Strategic Communications at the SecDev Foundation. Alicia, welcome to Webcology and thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Jim. That was that was long. That's a hell of an introduction. Um you, 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 you have been writing about, thinking about, and lecturing about Facebook. You've uh, wrote a long article uh, last week on um, the well, for want of a better word, I mean, it's such, 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 such a big event. The dramas that are unfolding around Facebook. Um, do you mind if we if we just jump in from from right about there? Sure. Okay, so so last week, the mainstream media and, and much of the tech media was talking about how uh, this company, Cambridge Analytica, had hacked and manipulated the personal data of 50 million people. This week, the media is trying to present a way more nuanced view as the story sort of unpacks itself and people, you know, start to uh, grasp the story a little stronger. Um, how, how would you say our understandings of the event has evolved over the last week? Uh has it evolved? <laughs> I mean, the wider understanding as ever is being shaped by the media coverage of it. And let's face it, a fair amount of media coverage is about competing for eyeballs and clicks. So it tends to be a little bit sensationalist. So I'd say that there's been a lot of outrage and surprise, um, which in itself has been a bit baffling because this isn't Facebook's first privacy scandal around how data use, how data about users is used or sold. Oh no! This is this is probably the most spectacular scandal, though, given the uh, effect of of how this data was used um, to to manipulate the Brexit vote, the election in Nigeria, and uh, the election in the United States, among others. Yeah, I, I would <laughs> I would put a bit of a degree of caution in here and how it's being analyzed. I mean, um, I, I think that there should probably be a grain of salt taken around how effective Cambridge Analytica's role might have been in all of this in actually shaping the elections. So while there's been some studies that have shown that uh, psychographic data and advertising is very effective, it's very difficult to actually track influence and causality in this type of, of advertising and these types of effects. So very little is known um, in terms of how useful and whether this is the underlying cause or not, because there's myriad factors that go into people's making their decision. So, so basically what you're saying is I could put an Alpo commercial in front of a dog lover, but I can't guarantee that dog lover purchased the Alpo product. And not because of that commercial per se. It could be because, you know, they love dogs and this, you know, they buy everything for their dog. It doesn't mean that that particular commercial did it. Okay. So... I think, this is a, I think there's still a good deal of misunderstanding around the scandal itself then. Um, how did this actually go down? So, I mean, there's definitely a lot of misunderstanding around the scandal itself. And, and part of the reason is that there are terms like hacking being thrown around in terms of, in terms of how they got the actual data. And the fact is that it, it looks like from the outside that uh, they didn't hack Facebook to get this data. Users clicked away their privacy to do a personality test and mm -hmm. they agreed to allow, allow this data to be used for other purposes. That's the big problem here. Um, but they also didn't get their friend's consent when they agreed to to give up all of that information through their acceptance. But um, so up the until 2014, was that implicitly how Facebook just worked? 
I'm not sure that that's implicitly how Facebook just worked, um, but it was a lot easier to be able to get access to not only the person who was agreeing, but their friends' data as well. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry for interrupting. It just, it just, it just seems to be like like we agreed to give our data away when we when we signed up our Facebook accounts. The terms of service was pretty clear. This data is going to be used by us for marketing purposes. Well, and this is the thing. If you're not paying for a product, then you are the product. And uh, there was one study that had come across that said about 90% of users don't read the terms of service. So it's really not surprising that users don't understand what they're getting into when they agree. And then even then, I mean, before the Cambridge Analytica incident, uh, one survey had said that 61% of uh, Facebook users were still unaware that Facebook had the right to share their information with third parties. Okay. Um... 61%. That's, that's more than half of users. Um, is there any solid information on how these users are feeling today? Because if that many people didn't didn't believe or trusted Facebook without, without even questioning what Facebook might be doing with their data, I can't imagine how they must feel knowing that their data was used to, um, you know, make some of the worst uh, foreign and domestic policy decisions in uh, Western history. Oh, and here again, I'd probably have to caution that I, I suspect, given how politicized the discussion around all of this has been, that um, <laughs> there's a little bit of a need to find a culprit or somebody to blame to make sense of this decision making. And it may not be that everybody was manipulated into that decision. There is still a good percentage of people who probably made these decisions willingly and believe that they have. Oh, you mean you mean do the decision simply to participate in Facebook or the decision to uh, mark your X in one place rather than the other on the ballot? Yes, the latter marking your X on one place rather than the other on a ballot. Well, yeah, uh, Jim, but... <laughs> okay, uh, Jim? Yeah, Christine? Just one thing I think we should add, though, to that picture is that while the advertising itself uh, might not be able to just convince someone to do something, that they're in an environment of a filter bubble so that the person that is seeing this ad uh, to them or the fake news, which was shared 213 million times or more, um, according to ProPublica Pro or someone, uh, that um, the person all day long is getting one view and all day long is getting this uh, view of the world that uh, Cambridge Analytica was uh, targeting. So I think it's important to note that it wasn't just like the ad in, a, by iso in isolation, but it was also the ad um, in this filter bubble where all day long all they saw was this one type of material. Yes, and I would add to that 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 goes beyond Facebook and that experience there. I mean, people are opting to a degree to choose what kind of news they're taking in, and humans do like to have their current viewpoint or how they understand the world reflected in what they're consuming. So that goes into TV as well, I would say. Well, well I we think know the oh, sorry. Oh, go for it, Christine, please. I'd please. Say the, thing, the slight difference here, though, is my TV, I choose which channel I watch. Whereas in Facebook, they're choosing to sh only show me that information based on my likes, friendships, clicks. So that immersion in the fake filter bubble, a lot of people might not be aware um, is going on or how much it actually affects them versus me choosing to watch uh, a, t a television station that has a viewpoint uh, one or the other. 
Granted, and really the wider understanding among internet users is very weak in terms of how the internet works, how information is put before them, and moreover, not just that filter bubble, but how do topics become trending on on live uh, news feeds and search returns? And there's, I mean, there's just not a lot of information out there. Um, Christine and I are both optimization professionals in this environment, and I can vaguely tell you how things trend on the news feed. But I can't tell you with 100% accuracy or that I know 100% how that happens. Um, I was about to ask, is there, is there moves right now that you know of for Facebook to like, you know, share a bit more data with, uh, with its users? I actually, I, I suspect that Facebook will become more guarded, if anything, about its hmm. about its data and what it does with it. And I think that that's actually to its detriment. So among the academic community, there's been generally an outcry about not having had freer access um, to be able to study how Facebook works, how it plays in that wider information environment, and then what the implications of that are for users and things like democracy. Um, and now, unfortunately, because one academic has uh, has done, you know, some fairly nefarious activities here to get that data and then sell it, as is alleged, um, mm. this this could be very detrimental for others who are really trying to to put this into a wider context. No. Uh, a few moments ago, you and Christine were having a, a conversation about confirmation bias and, you know, the, the information bubble that people live in and, and you know, serving information, serving fake or augmented news directly to, uh, to people based on um, whatever bias they wanted confirmed. Um, one of the more frightening aspects and, and kind of a tangential aspect to the Cambridge Analytica um, part of the story is the involvement of uh, well of a foreign governments of Russia and the bot army? Um, has anything in the last week come out um, touching on on uh, Russia's use of Facebook, but on, in both left and right wing uh, 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 thought spheres to uh, destabilize the electorate in, in, in America? Anything new? Yeah, anything new? Any, any information relating specifically to the, the 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 stuff that Facebook's facing right now? Now, I I can't say that I see everything coming across all the time. Um, I know that there was some some questions around Cambridge Analytica's clientele, and that there were you know looking into to oligarchs, and I'm sure other things will start to come out. Um, I haven't seen anything new beyond what has been discussed recently and you know that was a lot of similar techniques in terms of placing ads that you know were very provocative that would resonate with certain echo chambers to encourage them to you know take a certain action whether that be you know go out and protest and share content or perhaps not vote for the opponent yeah, we're going to have to take a quick okay. break in, oh. in a few moments um before we do it we have a couple of questions <laughs> i think um uh, Christine, did you want to get yours in? Oh, no, I had one and I just forgot what it was. <laughs> yeah, I hate when that happens. I'm so I think we're going about, to break. Went out of on you like that. That's um, a problem. Okay, so Facebook, uh, Mark Zuckerberg has been called to testify uh, so far in front of Congress, which I believe he's going to, and in front of uh, the British Parliament, which he sort of kind of respectfully declined. I understand that... Um, He's also going to be invited to speak in front of the Canadian Parliament, although it's likely he'll decline that as well. Um, might Facebook be actually looking down the barrel of government regulation? Is, is this for real? 
Um, I, I think it depends on, on the country and, and whether they're going to be able to have the momentum to do that. But obviously, regulations are one of the first things that people are calling for whenever something like this comes out. And as, as you guys have noted, um, Facebook isn't just getting this from the Cambridge Analytica angle. There is the whole issue of advertising that was purchased and pages that were created to make them look like they were grassroots in the U.S. So there, there are at least two angles here, plus the fake news angle um, and and other dangerous content that has has been shared through the platform. So really, I mean, they're under scrutiny from from a myriad perspective here of problems that they that they were involved with when it comes to elections. So I. I think it would be very difficult for governments to not um, press some sort of a solution on social networks in general. Oh, this is this is definitely one of those two-edged sword sort of territories. The government presses a solution on Facebook or any of the major technology companies, and that has some serious repercussions on um, innovation, on user rights, on um, business models, <laughs> sustainability of. Uh, of, of the internet itself. And, and this is a weird one because for, for a lot of people, Facebook has become the internet. The, functionally, Facebook is the internet. Um, Facebook's everything AOL wanted to be, but never actually became. Um, is this, do you think, going to have a substantial change um, moving forward for, 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 for Facebook or for those users who've, who've come to rely on it? I think it depends. It's going to depend on users and what they're willing to to give up. Um, but in general, Facebook had been had been moving towards being more of a gated community, right? So even with publishers, it's tried to keep people within its ecosystem and not have them go back out to other websites. I I would hope um, more systemically that this would be called into question and maybe some of that would be broken up. In many ways, Facebook is. Facebook and the other internet giants really are are monopolies, um, except that they are monopolies over a very delicate what is becoming a critical infrastructure. Indeed. Okay, we have to take a break. Um, Alisa, can we get you to stick around for a few minutes while we while we just run a few commercials and uh, resume the interview in a moment? Of course. Thank you so much. It's always polite to ask, and, and we're always polite on the show. Friends, you are listening to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. It is the 29th of March, 2018. We're back after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology will be back after this short break. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, 
So Social, the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contest and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. So Social is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let So Social give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. All of your favorite WebmasterRadio.fm programs on air and on demand 24-7. Find our shows on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, and anywhere you download your podcasts. Add some podcasts to your playlist as part of a better profit margin. More refreshing talk radio on air and on demand 24-7. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey, everyone. Back. Welcome back to Webcology on WebmasterRadio.fm. It is the 29th of March, 2018. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. Dave's not here, man, but we are joined by Christine, Christine Schackinger from Sites Without Walls in Las Vegas, and Christine and I are joined by Alicia Wanless-Burke, a uh, researcher, academic, and propaganda specialist based... Uh... Actually, Alicia, where are you based? I, I know that you're um, thinking of... You're, you've actually got a chance to do um, your doctorate at, at Oxford. Um, oh, King's. You, King, uh, King's, King's College. You're, you're based in Toronto now, is that correct? I, actually, no, I'm based, uh, I'm based out of Ottawa. Oh, Okay. Um, well, best luck in your endeavors to get to King Col- King's College. Um, we do got to sort of jump back into this interview because we got about ten to uh, ten to twelve minutes left, and there's a gajillion questions I want to ask. Um, so we were talking about uh, Mark Zuckerberg being called, you know, being hauled in front of uh, congressional committees, parliamentary committees, etc. The actual chance of substantive regulation. Um, being being leveled against Facebook, and here's uh, I think the, the the real rub of the question. Um, there are different laws in Canada, in the United States, in France, Germany, the UK, etc. And these are all uh, all different jurisdictions. So uh, Facebook gets hauled in front of the EU, and it gets hauled in front of Brexit. <laughs> There's an irony here. Now that now that uh, in front of uh, uh, sorry, Parliament Committee in England. There's an irony here, given the effect on Brexit. Um, it gets hauled in front of the U.S. Congress and in front of uh, Canada's Parliament, and each of them come up with a different piece of regulation, some of which will con- uh, contradict each other. Can Facebook survive being a global medium and having to deal with, um, you know, uh, the balkanization of, regula- of regulation? I mean, I think that they've already been dealing with this because the Internet giants essentially are countries unto themselves. I mean, with online populations larger than any existing state and their own efforts at trade and diplomacy, so to speak. So they've long been adjusting to different local laws and regulations to survive. So I'm not sure why that would change. So long as their leadership can remain nimble. And the bigger question is, uh, why aren't they getting out ahead of these problems? I mean, it's not rocket science. The warning was on the wall, so to speak. I'm sorry, that was so punny. Well, I, I mean, I could do worse. No one expects the Spanish Inquisition. Oops, we were talking. I thought we were talking about Netflix. Ha! Um, <laughs> okay, 
But honestly, no one expects a Spanish Inquisition. Like, um, I don't think when Mark Zuckerberg woke up, uh, what, 10? It's only been 10 to 15 days. I don't think when he woke up, like, at the beginning of last month, he expected this crap storm to be raining on his windows. Um, he didn't Ooh. know he had something to get ahead of, did he? I don't know. Carol uh, Carol Cullowater, who was the ju- the Guardian journalist who was breaking the story, she's been on this for more than a year, right? So there were there were there was stories suggesting that this had happened. There was the knowledge that there was a personality test um, by two different Cambridge analytic or two two different Cambridge academics who had been able to use psychographics to pinpoint you know pressure points on people to be able to persuade them. This isn't this isn't new. Also, if you're Mark Zuckerberg, you had to, I would think, imagine at some point that there'd be something like this that could happen. Because if you work in the, the tool or with the API, it's not like um, the psychographic targeting has been a thing for quite some time. So it's, yeah, Exactly. Yeah, it's not well, new. And, then, and psychographic targeting, I mean, Marty Weintraub, a friend of mine, friend of yours, Christine, Marty yeah. isn't, isn't a bad person. Uh, aim clear and Mary and uh, the whole crew. They're not evil folks, but they have specialized. They 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 they, they taught Cambridge Analytica what psychographic targeting is all about. Yeah, um, and it, sorry. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was gonna say they're not evil people, and they're certainly not doing it to screw with people's heads or or with American democracy. Well, we also have to remember that there is a positive side to Facebook advertising for uh, especially smaller businesses or publishers who don't get a lot of reach in Facebook. And that is the advertising is very cheap and highly targeted so that if you're a small business and you have a very small ad budget, you can get real results. And AdWords doesn't work quite the same way. It's much more expensive. So are other types of advertising. So the reason like a Marty or, or a Mary do it is, you know, they're helping businesses keep people employed by making sure they have people that come to their site and buy things or use their services. So, you know, it's not all evil. It's just the problem was there were no guards at the gate to make sure that nobody was using it for nefarious purposes. But once, and- once- Oh, oh, please Sorry. go for it. I was just going to say, and to add to that, I think that there was a euphoria surrounding the internet and social media in terms of its capacity for democracy building. And the darker side of it just really wasn't thought through. I mean, I think we like to believe that humans are going to behave rationally and kindly, and that really isn't usually the case. Well, speaking of the contrast between rational and kind and that not really being the case, just a few years ago... Um, President Obama and his team bragged about how they, in uh, 2004 and 2008, I'm sorry, 2008 and 2012, they they used very similar techniques, well, at least similar targeting, to to affect American decisions. There was a core difference in what they did, though. Okay. And I and I think that it, it could almost be akin to, to white and black propaganda. Um, so the Obama campaign, um, in addition to using data from Facebook, they had an official app that users agreed to download or use and give access to. The, the one commonality here is that while the users knew that they were supporting Obama and agreeing to this, uh, their friends that the access about their profiles and stuff was given, they did not consent. And that's, that's the one thing that is similar in terms of where this all goes awry. Cambridge Analytica, on the other hand, did not get the data directly themselves. They got it through an academic, apparently, um, who had had been able to get the access and 
got the users to consent for academic purposes, which was very different than campaigning to them in a political campaign. So in essence, those users agreed to uh, Alexander Kogan, but not Cambridge Analytica. And then in turn, their friends also did not give consent. Okay, so so really, and then for 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 our audience who who's you know primarily made up of uh, professionals and academics, informed consent is imp- is important, um, or it should be, and if it's not friends, it ought to be. Um, also, I think it's it is worth noting that in both cases, in in the case of uh, of the Obama team and also of, of Cambridge Analytica, obtaining that third party data. The way the way Cambridge got it wasn't cool, but getting all that friends data that was actually wasn't that was that not a, actually just a function of uh, a Facebook and, and and the information they gave it to the advertisers. It is my understanding at that time that you could do that. That doesn't make it right. There are definitely ethical implications in that. Um, and again, from what I understand, with. Obama's later app in 2012, one of the things that happened once they got that data was they were able to pinpoint which of um, the person who consented's friends would be most likely to be amenable to receiving a message and then thus um, supporting Obama. So they asked friends to do that. So this actually comes back to a model that we'd found last year called uh, participatory propaganda, whereby propagandists um, are using organized and systematic persuasive communications to not just change behavior or opinion in a target audience, but to actually co-opt that audience into delivering the same message and becoming propagandists themselves. So in many ways, because the Obama campaign was open about it and engaging people, I would say that that's almost like a digital form of white propaganda in terms of you know where the message is coming from you know what the aim is and you know what you're doing when it comes to Cambridge Analytica using somebody else's data that didn't actually come or be agreed to be used for those purposes it's more like a black or gray because you're not you don't know who the originator is it's obfuscated um, and in particular it gets obfuscated further through grassroots looking pages and advertising like that okay there's another message that's going on out there right now um, hashtag delete Facebook I think it's really going to happen is there is there a movement to uh is there a substantial and real movement to uh to take Facebook apps off your phones or off your desktop? I think every time there's been some uh, privacy concern that's come out, there there is a movement to do this. Now it's going to come down to again, like I said before, whether users feel that they're getting more in exchange for this or not. Um, there are many celebrities that are backing out of it. Will Ferrell just announced that he was leaving Facebook, and prior to that, Elon Musk had said so, and as mm-hmm. well as Cher. So it's possible that they're going to lose some users. Now, when you already have billions of lose- users, losing <laughs> a few million, is that really going to hurt them quite the same? And again, mm-hmm. this comes to the longer-term look at them. I mean, <sighs> humans, humans are fickle. <laughs> Well, I mean, look, look at what happened with Beyonce and, and was it uh, WhatsApp or Snapchat last week? It was Beyonce, right? <laughs> I'm so old. I don't, I don't know this I, stuff. I just know in our industry, I couldn't survive without using the Facebook groups to know what's going on with Google. So unfortunately, I will not be deleting. That, I, I tried to dissuade some family members who had asked whether they should, they should get rid of it. I do think people really need to rethink how they're using it, how they're using the internet entirely, and how their privacy settings are, are in place. Um, but in a digital age, I think almost anything you do, particularly if it is a free service, it means that your data is likely being used to make money off of you. 
and and we have to be more cognizant. And if anything, the governments really need to start awareness campaigns that teach people the underlying back end and what this means for the information they consume and engage with. Well, I, I, I don't mean to sound all highfalutin here because I do this myself, but um, I don't think there's any record anywhere of anyone's life being substantially improved upon learning that they're like Rizzo from Greece from, you know, when they use the app, what Greece character are you? Um, but there's something really compelling about knowing um, which Zodiac side best fits my personality. Um, These quizzes, I mean, they're as old as women's magazines, right? And the appeal, it's obviously ego-driven. And marketing to the ego, again, is nothing new. Look at Edward Bernays and his book on propaganda, which is coming from the 20s, right? The difference here is that the transaction doesn't begin with a marketing pitch targeting a person's sense of self and end in the sale. It's data that is aggregated over time and used again and again to shape decision-making. Okay, so now we actually we are seeing Facebook putting out you know, just little questions. Um, what was the first record you purchased? Um, and, and, and these things are actually working into people's Facebook news feeds, you know, prompting them to a- answer the question, and they're being put out by Facebook itself. Is that is that is is that tone deaf or what? <laughs> I would expect that those were set up long before this disclosure came out and just haven't been uh, haven't been put away yet. You mean a social media manager at Facebook did a set and forget sort of thing? <laughs> well, sometimes these things are rolled out and it takes a while to, to get them rolled out and then to, to move them back. I mean, I think, again, I, I come back to the fact that Facebook is fighting several fires here in terms of their, their platform being under attack. And I'm sure that all of the other social, like social media and Internet giants are quite content to have the lightning hitting them. Mm, indeed, I'm, I, I can just see the, 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 the folks sitting around the table, the board table at Twitter going, oh my god, thank you, it's not us, wow. And yeah, so Google. Google. <laughs> indeed. Um, social media is a totally fickle environment. Uh, as, as, as we said earlier, Facebook's become the known internet for so many people. Um, I think we've established that this scandal isn't a Facebook killer, but... Is it going to have an impact at all? Like, will, will advertisers see a uh, slowing of return on their investment? I, I think that would only be the case if people start to leave it and they're not engaging with advertising. But there's been some interesting developments. Like Sonos, the, the electronics company, it diverted its Facebook ad budget this week to support the conference RightsCon in Toronto. So it's, you know, a really nice move to, to support Forum, which... Um, is actually discussing these issues and trying to to find workable solutions with the tech giants. Are you going to be presenting at BrightsCon? Um, I I am, and I in full disclosure, I I am on a program committee which is dealing with misinformation um, and the future of new media. Has there been a uh, major uptick in uh, in in local interest in the Toronto area about BrightsCon because of the scandal? Uh. I don't know what their 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 numbers are in the back end in terms of people people signing up who hadn't before. It's a pretty solid community and it's an international community. Canada, we do we do live very close to you. So if the US sneezes, we tend to catch a cold. So we've been watching all of this from the beginning, I'd say. Um, it's definitely become an issue as we head into a, a provincial election here in Ontario, but the federal election in 2019. And there's been increasing concern around the role of the internet and Facebook. And we do have pages that are very similar to things that I saw in your 2016 election. Oh, but Facebook loves Justin Trudeau. 
I don't know about that. <laughs> well, Canadians on Facebook might not love Justin Trudeau so much, but I'm telling you, Americans on Facebook do. Well, uh, yeah, but <laughs> look what our situation is. So There's no way that Donald Trump Trump would ever get away with Chewbacca socks on stage. Never going to happen. <laughs> exactly. Canada's Prime Minister wears those things proudly. It, it's <laughs> true. He's very stylish. <laughs> um, he, he, I understand he, uh, he, he looks good while he travels abroad, too. Um, <laughs> I, I'm based in Toronto. I can make all these, I can make these jokes all day long. Okay. We've only got a couple. We actually got like we're down to like our one minute, probably our last question. Facebook is turning off the uh, the fire hose of data on another uh, uh, data source for advertisers, and that was like a third party um, data about users from companies like Axiom or uh, 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 Experian. Um, Experian uh, collects offline uh, purchase data, so you use your debit card or your uh, your, your 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 credit card, um, and Experian is recording that that purchase against your name and making it part of a profile that, up until this morning, Facebook was drawing from, and you know opening up to other advertisers. Um, I, we only got time for one quick answer, so either Christina or, or Elisa, is this going to have an impact? I, th- I think this was a great thing Facebook used to offer for advertisers. Now they're not anymore. Will that make advertisers think twice? Christine, I defer to you. <laughs> I think, I'm not sure I got grasped the end of that question. I'm sorry, Jim. Well, if, if, if the advertiser isn't getting all that juicy consumer data, like what you spent on your debit card offline... Will that make them, you know, does that make Facebook a less interesting buy? It depends. Are you talking about when they advertise? Yeah, yeah. If I'm going to yeah. get all this data, but now I'm not. I, I, I bought those ads for that data. Now you ain't giving it to me. Uh, we don't get, I mean, you get some of that data, but that it's more important about the targeting aspects. Like, does that target no longer exist? Um, when you're in the advertiser tool, it'll say like Oracle data, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, so the question is, is he just removing it from the visibility of the tool, which is how it sounds when you read uh, the statement, or is he actually not allowing the data to be in the Facebook ecosystem whatsoever? Because it sounds like he's just removing the data from the visibility to the outside world, but he doesn't really talk about are they still going to use the data in their own profiling of the own targets that they make internally inside of Facebook. If they remove it completely, it would be a, a huge deal. Um, if if they don't and they just kind of blend it in so it's not so obvious, then it would be less of an issue. And will you still be able to upload your own email lists and correlate those to Facebook users too? Uh, I haven't heard them say that that is going away. So at this moment, uh, I would say yes. I also, that is hugely uh, relevant for people like um, who have large you know customer lists. So if they took that away, that would be a major detriment for a lot of advertisers. Okay, and I'm afraid that's it. Full stop, full hour. We've gone We've gone once around the clock. Um, Alisa Wanless-Burke, thank you so much for uh, for taking an hour and spending it with us here on Webcology. Thanks for having me, guys. This is great. Well, it, was it was a great fun interview. And yeah. Christine, as always, thank you so much for uh, for sitting in and uh, being, being a superhero, uh, sitting in for Dave. Well, thank you for having me. Hey, friends, you have been listening to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. Uh, this show was recorded to podcast on the 29th of March, 2018. 
Stick around the network. There's some great content coming up after the news. And me or Dave or some reasonable facsimile thereof will be here next week. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.